Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another special edition of The View from the Gladys Street podcast, a podcast where fans are given the chance to air their views and have their say on all things Everton Football Club. Today's show is somewhat of a World Cup debrief, naturally with an Everton theme. We're going to talk about England, we're going to talk about Pickford, we're going to talk about Roberto Martinez, we're going to talk about pre-season friendlies, and we're going to talk about 22-0. We might even fit some transfer news in as well. Fortunately, I'm not going to be doing all the talking myself. I'm joined by three guests and three top blues, all of whom are chomping at the bit to get going. With me is Robert Astle, Lee Moulton, and Tom Clark. Guys, welcome. Um, let's just go straight into it then. Start off, England, Tom... How gutted were you about the uh, the semi final result? Um, I wasn't too gutted. I was, I was, I was. Uh, they pretty much had the easiest running I've ever seen. So the fact that we made the semi final isn't massive to me. I think the teams that we played, we were expected to beat really. So it wasn't too much of a surprise for me. I didn't get like too too upbeat about it. I think a lot of Evertonians watched the friendly instead of the third and fourth playoff because obviously England come second. So I wasn't too gutted. No, Rob. Did you get involved in the, you know, the national pride of England reaching the semi-finals and backing Gareth Southgate? I did, yeah. I got sucked into it completely. Wow. Uh, and which is quite strange, really, because I think the last three, ma- three or four major tournaments, I've just had no real connection with England whatsoever. What do um, you, you think that was? Uh, that's a mixture, really. I mean, I think the last few teams, it's always been the old stalwarts of Gerard, Lampard, Rooney, and they just did, they just weren't performing at the top level once it once it. Um, when it really mattered, but I think Southgate this time he's got himself a young team. He's gone with youth. Um, he's got a decent system. Uh, th- there's no real superstars. Probably the wrong term to use because obviously the likes of Harry Kane and Raheem Sterling they are superstars, the Premier League superstars. But the, there seems to be no egos within the team as well. They just seem like a good a good bunch of lads. Um, you know, and a team that you can get behind. And I thought they did really well. Um, no one expected them to get that far. I do agree with what Tom said there in regards to having a bit of an easy running. You know, the, it was really you know Sweden, Colombia. We probably would have been expected to get past them. Yeah. And truth be told, we probably could have got past Croatia as well. Yeah. Um, but it just wasn't to be. I was gutted for them. I really was. But L- Lee, we all thought it was coming home with you. Uh, one of the, the England fans who were you know depressed the following morning. No, not really. I, I was. To, to be honest, I was sick of all the media hype about it. How far they're gonna go, and and did, like Connor said, like Tom said, they did have an easy an easy run, and there was much better teams in the in the World Cup than England. What did you make of the tournament as a whole, as a football football and sport and spectacle? I thought I thought it was very good. There was a lot a lot of good games, attacking teams. The the VAR spoiled it in a lot in a lot of games, so especially the, especially the final. It, it's taken so long for, and and to make such a poor decision. But I think fo- football-wise, it was very exciting. Yeah, Tom, you make you like it? 
Yeah, it was. It was. It was one of the best World Cups. A lot of people said of recent years. I think a lot in terms of entertaining games and every every team in the tournaments all scored as well. And there was a lot of drama. And I think something like up until the quarter final, a quarter of all games won after the eighty seventh minute. So something like that. So it was high drama at, uh, at the last stages of games and stuff like that. I thought it was a really good one. And pretty much got behind every single game watching it. So it was, it was one to get in. Yeah, a lot of people got into it. Yeah, it was good. Rob, we had we had one man out there from Everton and Jordan Pickford, kind of stole the show in many ways. Um, what did you make of his performance as a whole throughout the whole tournament? Did he deserve to win the Golden Glove Award? From a biased point of view, yeah, I think he did. Uh, but at the same time, uh, Thibaut Courtois winning it—that's not someone who you can turn your nose up to because he had an equally as good sort of as just as good a tournament as uh, as Pickford did but Pickford was great you know we've seen it all season with Everton how good he is um, and he did it on the biggest stage there you know that save against Colombia like right in the last minute to tip it around the post um, the penalty save eventually um, and he made some great saves against Sweden as well and one against Croatia which probably kept England in the game at one point um, it's just unfortunate that uh, Courtois did beat him to it but I, I probably would have said he would have deserved it really yeah Tom did or should should Pickford be frustrated with the specifically the England defence that played against Belgium when they got beat two 0 in the third and fourth place playoff because you know obviously Courtois um, won the the Golden Glove award the the winning goalkeeper for the tournament was Hugo Lloris so obviously Pickford was in with a shout up until that point really he ended up conceding two goals should he be frustra- frustrated at his defence for that you know he didn't didn't get a lot of uh, a lot of help possibly yeah I think um, like. Belgium played a pretty similar defence, even in their more, not meaningless, but like less important games. He played a pretty constant defence, whereas Southgate made a few changes in the matches, and it wasn't it wasn't as stable for him. So uh, maybe there were a few defensive mistakes in the last game from the likes of Phil Jones, but so he, he's got to be disappointed with that. But uh, I do think he he should have been in, in with a shout of uh, winning the Golden Glove if it weren't for that match. Yeah. Lee Pickford's obviously proven his quality over the you know the course of the tournament. Um, received, you know, seemingly some criticism prior before the the Columbia game and the Sweden game. But is there any anxieties now from from fans that you know another club would potentially come in for for Jordan in the summer? I, I don't think there is, there is now. I think if they if they, if they got through to the final, I, I think there, there may have been. So so that so that was one plus point for England going out because I think we've seen we have seen in the past. Uh, if you go back, even go back to the 80s with Gary Lineker, Evan players have a good World Cup and then don't come back. So, so, so that was one worry. But when they went out in the semi-final, I think, I think then that worry then went. Do you think we're in a position now that we paid 30 million pound for him? That what what type of valuation? If if someone did come in for him, we would, we would be you know demanding. I think uh, w- w- with Allison being being rumored to be 60 million, million I think I think Pickford's got to be the same if not higher but I think whatever Evan even if Evan were off 100 million I think Evan has got to keep him because it's then hard to replace you've got to have a good goalkeeper to have a good team absolutely Rob we, we don't want to sell Jordan Pickford obviously he's, he's proven his quality we want him to stay for many years to come um, does the World Cup Put him up there as an Everton great, or has he got to do a lot more for Everton to be considered? No, he's got to do a lot more at Everton to be considered a great. To be honest with you, you know, if you look at our back catalogue of goalkeepers in terms of greats, you've got, you know, the likes of Neville Southall. He's got way, way to go before he can even be considered in his league. Um, but the lad's young, you know, he's on a he's on a long contract. We all all the cards. We don't have to sell him. 
Um, and, you know, he seems like a decent lad as well. You know, I don't think he's going to want to be fishing for a move anytime soon. Um, I think we, I think he'll be our number one for quite a few years to come and hopefully he'll get some trophies to put him up there as one of the greats. Tom, I'm going to move on then uh, from England and Jordan Pickford and to one of Everton's former managers, Roberto Martinez, who led Belgium to a, a third place at the World Cup. Um, whatever way you look at it, whatever way people think of him, he's certainly enhanced his, his reputation. Um, do, since, since that is the case, is there, is there a sense of regret by any Everton fans yourself that what might have been if we kept Roberto Martinez as a coach? I don't think there is many from many fans at all, to be honest. I think um, it was the time for him to go at the time and not many fans at the time would have wanted to keep him after the, the couple of derby defeats, 4-0, things like that, but uh, the way we were going. But I think he's found his niche in international management because he doesn't have to make stupid signings like he did at Everton. And uh, I think international man- management could be the way to go for him. I think he's he, he's definitely found something he's good at, whereas club management, maybe he wasn't the best at because he, he wasn't very good at juggling different competitions together. I know he won the FA Cup at Wigan and then got relegated in the league and then with us as well, he struggled with several things in terms of club management. But I think in terms of international management, he's definitely found something he's got out there, but no regrets for me. Yeah, I mean, my take on it, I just I just want to try and get it out there, is that Roberto Martinez seems to be a really good cup manager. And I don't, don't want to be, you know, derogatory to the World Cup because obviously it's the, the pinnacle of, of football. But effectively, the World Cup is a cup competition. Even in the group stages, you've got to win. You know, you've got to win games. If you lose one, you're effectively gonna you're gonna be out. Is is that the case? Is it? he's just he struggled in the league? Obviously, the first season he did really well. The, the following season, he, he did struggle, but still managed to get Everton to semi-finals and cup competitions. And he, he's done the exact same for Belgium. Won an FA Cup with Wigan. Is he just a, a really good cup manager who can who knows how to win certain games? I think he is. Yeah, I think uh, one of his phrases he used to use at the time was uh, "every game is a cup final" kind of thing. And if you're using that for every single game, it's less effective as, like, for example, in a league campaign, you, you can't treat every one of 38 games as a cup final. Whereas if every game is important, like the World Cup, when you only have about eight games, you can't give everything they're all, give everything in that game. And um, he's good at geeing up players for a, for a really important game, but if if that's over a long period of time, it's less effective. I want to get everyone's take on this then. So, Rob, is um, th- is there a sense of regret from yourself that we, we sacked Martinez when we did? Did he deserve more time? Could, where would we have been if Roberto Martinez was still at the club now? Uh, this well, is Sorry, this is just based on the fact that he's done, you know, He's, he's been quite successful with Belgium in, in this World Cup. I mean, there's no regrets for me that he's gone. You know, the, the last... After the first season, he was great. You know, everyone loved him. He had all the, the plaudits. We finished fifth, we were back in Europe. And then the following season, you could arguably say he had Europe as the excuse because we didn't. We went really far in, in that competition. It was the last 16 quarterfinals yeah. and, and we were doing really well. And, and in the same year... You know, we ran close in the, um, the FA Cup and the uh, and the League Cup too, and I just felt the third season it was just it was the same, uh, same disappointment in the league, and unfortunately, and you've got to fight on all fronts as a manager when you're when you're a club manager, and you can't just rely on getting to semi-finals because what does a semi-final get? You're absolutely nothing mm. at the end of the day, and I think it was right that he went. Um, I think. The World Cup will probably, you know, it'll make him look a bit better. But at the end of the day, it was it was his own, 
it was classic Martinez. You know, he was outdone by a set piece. You can't set up a team to defend. He went 2-0 down to Japan. Don't be wrong, I know they scored two. Uh, they went on to score and win the game. But he went 2-0 down to Japan. Uh, you know, it, it just seemed classic Martinez all over. And you, were, you were just wait, waiting for that time when it was going to it was going to come unstuck. That being said, then does he does he deserve the recognition then for what he's done? You know the substitutions that he's made. And I remember a couple of pundits on the BBC were saying how tactically great he was for for doing for doing what he done. Does is he lucky or does it does he deserve uh, deserve the recognition? Uh, he deserved recognition if he won the competition, but he didn't. Hmm. And don't be wrong, you can be great in certain games, but at the end of the day, it's the World Cup and history only ever remembers the winners and you can say oh yeah he done really well there you know against against Brazil he played Lukaku in exactly the same position as he played Lukaku against Arsenal for us and when we beat them 3-0 to go I think we went fourth that day mm-hmm. and it was the exact same kind of style of, uh, the exact same tactics and setup. that's great fair enough but he got knocked out the next game it means nothing so his, his reputation will probably beat him oh yeah he's alright him as a manager but at the same time he still won nothing. He still got nothing to show for it. Yeah. At the end of the day, and you know, it's probably arguably the best Belgian team you're gonna see uh, for a long time. The next maybe Euro 2020, it'll probably be the same team. But into the next World Cup, that's gonna be an aging team. So he's gonna need to find something from somewhere to uh, to take it further. And whether he can or not, I don't know. Lee, do you agree with Rob and Tom? Yeah, I totally agree with everything's been said. And I think. I think a better manager would have got better out of the players, the squad that he had. And when the BBC was raving about his tactics and his substitutions in one game, he brought Fellaini on and then they were just hoofing the ball up. And that's not a great substitution for me. And at times, he's making substitutions late. And I, I, I really do think he is a cup manager uh, and can get his, get his players up for the one-off games. But over the over the course of a, of a season, no, there's no regrets for me. We get rid of him. All right, then. So we're just going to finish off the, this World Cup segment. Um, I was asked this question at the weekend, and I thought it was quite a quite a quirky question. So I thought I'd put it to the three year and uh, honest answers. Um, a lot's been made of the national pride and you know the whole country getting behind Southgate and the team. Um, we're all Everton fans, you know. Well, we're all England fans as well, some like England more than others. Um, it's kind of a, a club versus country question. Would you rather England won the World Cup or Everton qualified for the Champions League? Only qualified for the Champions League, not win the Champions League. Tom? For me, definitely Everton qualified for the Champions League. Like A Liverpool fan even asked me the question, would you rather England win the World Cup and pick for be out till Christmas or um, just knocked out in the semis and I said Pickford obviously we, we need Pickford so I'd say England get knocked out in the semis like it, Everton before England every time for me I just I think it will take a while for everyone I know this World Cup all the fans have got back on board with England but it'll take a while to fully get that attachment back there because you've sport Everton every single game throughout the season and with England maybe a couple, game, couple times throughout the year you've got friendlies and things like that you can't get as, as attached as you do to a club so Definitely Everton, the priority for me. Rob, an England World Cup win or a Everton Champions League qualification next season? Everton Champions League qualification, hundred percent. It's always your club, always before country. Like Tom just said, there, you know, World Cups every four years, European Championships the same, and you know, you've arguably got 
a major competition every two years then plus you've got like you said you know little friendlies etc and world cup qualifiers and things like that but it's hard to to dip in and out or something like that but you your clubs week in week out even in the close season you've got transfers and stuff going on and and it, it it's always consuming it's always consuming yeah it's always making sure that like you're looking to see what's going on and you they're always your number one and it's Everton every day for me but at the same time you know there's no harm in getting behind England in the in the in the major competitions absolutely not it's it's uh, it's just you know something to do in the summer isn't it Lee is there any point in even asking you the question no no at all <laughs> I, I get really gutted when Everton lose I, I, I would never be as gutted when England lose I'm going to be honest I'd rather an England World Cup win I'm only messing, joking, joking. <laughs> Absolutely <out>. not. <laughs> I couldn't. Uh, I couldn't walk into Goodison Park again if I'd said that. <laughs> Honestly, Everton qualifying for the Champions League would be um, a dream, and obviously playing Champions League football. Okay, then. So that was the the the, the World Cup segment. Um, touched on Martinez, Pickford, and England. Um, let's get back to well, let's get down to business um, and talk about Everton and pre-season, um, and basically Everton's twenty-two 0 win over Austrian side, ATV earning, um, 133-year-old record broken. We obviously we obviously don't need to buy any players, guys, do we? No? <laughs> no? What did, you, what did you make of that, 22-0? With all due respect, it was Mickey Mouse FC. It wasn't the greatest teams coming for games, but it, the only thing I'd say is I'm just got to for Sandro Ramirez. For us to score 22 <laughs> goals and not to get one, that's that's pretty frustrating for him, isn't it? So I was gutted he couldn't add to the score sheet, but there was some there was some great goals to watch. There was a, the own goal from 25 yards out where he chipped his own keeper. Absolute stunner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and there was the one where Imani Asko with a pelvic thrust as well, so that was was brilliant for the 21st. But uh, it's a funny game to watch, but didn't mean much to me. I know it's crazy, Rob, but... Um, we don't really know the cat. Well, we know, we do know the caliber of players that Everton were playing against. They're obviously not very good. But does a win like that like breed confidence going into the new season? Mm, no, not really. I mean, I mean, these lads were they weren't even part timers. I don't think. I, I, I think they might have just been plucked off a street somewhere. Um, it, it was a game for me which didn't really need to even be televised. It should have been remained behind closed doors and maybe reported on a little bit, but not. Not to that extent. It's, it, it, I suppose it can be a little bit of a confidence booster for any striker, but when the keeper is, I mean, at one point I can't remember who it was who scored. It might have been the last goal. The keeper literally just walks out the way of the goal. Yeah. It's like what kind of what kind of you know pre-seasons that who's arranged that friendly? <laughs> just obviously a nice uh, little trip to Austria. <laughs> Lee, the the players in sc- included in that squad and many of them who scored, they've been written off. Haven't they? Like the likes of Snadlin, Tom mentioned there, Sandro, Kevin Morales, who scored five goals, Nias scored four, Vlasic, who scored two and barely featured last season. Are these these players going to get a chance at Everton? Are they, you know, it's a clean sleeve for a lot of, well, everyone really at the club? I, I don't think some of them will. I think I think Silva's already made his mind up. Uh, I, I think the likes of Morales and, and Snadlin. And a couple of others may just be trying to imp- impress people but until, while the window's open. And I think Morales has had cal- countless chances. And Silva's has come out and said himself he wants to re- reduce the squad from 38 down to 25. So, so a f- few of these people, even even the, even like the likes of Blassie as well, will they make the cut to the 25? I'm not so sure. 
Tom, these players can like almost reinvent themselves under Silva. Though what whatever's gone on before, you know, we talked of in the last podcast where Rob said he didn't think Morales had a chance at the club. You know, what does what, what's Marco Silva thinking? I know it's only one game, but he's obviously going to be included in the plans for the the up and coming uh, friendly fixtures. Yeah, he's got to be given a chance in the other friendlies if he can score score five. But uh, a lot of a lot of people, including us, we, we all wrote him off in the last podcast. But for him to score five. There's something there, but the the thing we said about him in the la- in the last podcast was inconsistency. So I think that's 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 the only thing. Obviously, you might have performed well against a Sunday League team, but he wouldn't perform well against the likes of the, t- the top teams in the Premier League because of his inconsistency. So as well as he may do in pre-season, still for me, I don't think he, uh, he has much of, much of a chance at Everton anymore. Well, a lot of them players, Rob, that's played on the on the. At the weekends, do you think they'd be more suited to a, a silver style of play? The likes of Snyderland, the likes of Sandro? Uh, it, to be honest with you, it's impossible to say because we barely got to see Sandro last year. And then we've not really seen, we've only seen Marco Silva manage Everton once against, you know, a group, effectively a group of Sunday League players. So I think time will tell. You know, I think we play Berry tomorrow night and then we've got, I think, is it Lille or Porto the mm. weekend or maybe even both, I'm not sure. Um, you know, you'll see then how they how they start to how they start to adapt. Um, but going back to what you said there about the likes of Morales, he might some people might see it as like a new the manager might see it as like a new lease of life for him. And Kevin Morales might think that himself, but I think the damage is done between us and Kevin Morales. What about Snadlin though? Was the damage too much for that? Mm, you know, I think Snadlin picked his performances up later towards the latter latter end of last season. I mean, he was he was diabolical from August right the way through to probably about January. But at the same time, that can be said about ninety nine percent of the players at, at the club. Um, but then he kind of picked his performances back up a little bit. I thought, and I think he had a great first year. You know, we all loved him, and you know, I think he he, he wants to stay, and I think. It was touted that William William Carvalho was gonna be our first signing to replace him, and he's gone to Real Betis now. And I've got a feeling Schneiderlin is probably gonna be one of the ones who, who's saved from the cull, um, so to speak, really. Um, but yeah, I think it'll, time will tell whether they'll fit in. Absolutely. Well, it is. It's Leo Porto at the weekend in the Algarve Cup and Berry. It's tomorrow, I think, is that right? Yeah. Yes, yeah. Um, so three, um, three decent games for Everton and uh, a lot of the players to get their, their, their hands on, and, and we'll see what see what happens after the weekend. Um, one player who I want to talk about, who's a bit of a, an enigma, really, who we paid a lot of money for, um, and he didn't play um, in Austria. I think he was missing due to a stomach bug. Is a uh, Yannick Balassi. Um, He's been linked with a, a low move to Turkey, Fenerbahce, I think. Uh, Lee, are you a fan of Balassi? Do you think this is the right move in letting him go out on loan? Yeah, I think it is the right move because I, th- I think personally we should have signed Zaha from Palace. I think we bought the wrong one because I did give him a chance, he <clears throat> even his first season, but he never, he very rarely gets the ball over. And he, he always tries to beat, beat himself with his, his fancy f- flicks. And I just think, I think there's better players than Balassi. Mm. I'd like to see. And it, it might it might do him, do him good to go out on loan. And then he might come back a better player. Or he might be, might be better suited to the Turkish league. 
but for the for the Premier League, you've got to have like quality wingers, and I think Walcott is a much better player, and we could get a much better player than Balassi. Tom, where's it all gone wrong for Balassi? Was was it ever right in the first place? Um, I think at, in, even at the start, it was when Steve Walsh first came in. I thought he was a bit of a people pleaser signing. I think Steve Walsh came in. He had to sign people. Everyone knew Everton needed the load of new signings, and he just thought, "What's going to keep the fans happy?" Yannick Balassi, because everyone loves him, kind of thing. He's, he's a, he obviously a great, a, he's a good player and a great personality to have around the change of room to get things up a little bit. But for me, he was a I, I refer to him as a Dale of Fay with biceps. He's just, he's just, he's not much better than him. <laughs> just tricks and flicks and that. But uh, I think a low move as well. That's a bit of a strange one with the age he is. I think low moves are for young players, and I think if you're going to get rid of him, just sell him. Well, I'll come on to that. But um, he, I mean, he has suffered. A, he had a terrible injury, didn't he? That obviously hampered him. Yeah. Is that? I mean, what did, did you see enough before the injury? That thought you thought. Was going to be enough. I mean, I don't know. Uh, before the in- injury, he was definitely, definitely better than when he came back. But even then, he wasn't like a star player. He, he, he was all right to watch. But like in terms of actually goals and assists, is what we really need. He was um, maybe someone else might be better. So maybe a new signing. So uh, I think we could get someone better than yeah. him. Maybe a loan signing. That the possibility that could be to raise his value and then sell him on for a, a greater value if he does well abroad. But a, I think I do think it's the right time for him to go. Yeah, just to touch upon what the question that you you, you mentioned, and then I'll, I'll put it to Rob. But this is like open for debate, so anyone jump in. Um, this is a, a guy who we paid in excess of twenty five million for. Um, why why are we loaning him out rather than demanding a fee? I, I think I think the lad's on a long contract, and well, he's got three years left on his contract. Surely that's enough and get, time to you know get a, a good valuation. But if you take into account He's got three years left on his contract. He's close to being the wrong side of thirty. He hasn't really got much resale value, so we can get we can pull in a, a loan fee, which isn't great. You know what? What is it? Two and a half million that was touted, something like that. They're probably going to pay his wages. He's probably he was probably one of the first ones in the door under the Steve Walsh and Ronald Koeman where they were on mega money. We've not got any kind of way near that. He's not warranted them wages whatsoever. I mean, albeit the injury wasn't fair on him. You know, it was a terrible injury. But before that and after that, he's shown nothing. And I think, I, I think Everton might have to, have to realise not just with Yannick Balassi, but he's probably he is the prime example that the money that we pay for some of these players, we're probably going to have to take a cut on them in terms of fees. Yeah. Because it was just for two years, it was just a complete disaster in terms of 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 paying money out for below par players. And I agree with what Lee said. I think we bought the wrong player. Hmm. It was a similar situation to the. Um, uh, per Caldrup I think we saw the wrong player there didn't we I think, I think we've done the same thing with Yannick Balassi we should have got Sahar instead because at the time Palace was struggling We pro- he probably wouldn't have got anywhere near the fee we probably need he'd go at now we probably would have got, probably would have gotten the same price And but I think that's the, that's the problem the players haven't performed so we can't get the fees back there's no way on earth we're going to get 25 million quid back for Yannick Balassi uh, I, 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 anywhere close to that I completely agree we're not going to get 25 million back but should we not be? He's got three years left on his contract. You know, he's, he, is he over thirty? He's touching it. He's touching. Yeah. So he's still he's still got you know at least two or three years in his prime. Tom, like, why why are we not saying to Fenerbahce, you know, well, ten million, fifteen million, at least cut half of our losses and see where we go from there. I just if it was if it was one year left on his contract, I could understand the loan deal just to get him off the wages. But 
He's got three years left. Yeah. And what are we going to do? Loan him out for three years following that? Because all due respect to Yannick Blassi, I can't see Fenerbahce after having him for a year coming in with a, you know, a realistic bid. For me, it should just be, you know, this is this is what you need to pay. Take take the loss, take the cut. But are we in any position to be offering, saying that we we you know we want let's say let's say for example we want fifteen million for him. Are we in any position to be saying we want fifteen million for a player who's done us? Um, I think it was a knee, a knee injury, you know, it's massive serious knee injury, and who's played less than probably about fifteen games in the past two years worth of football you know are we in any position to be commanded would you pay that if, uh, you, if you were Fenerbahce it's a good point I think there's a lot of things to, to consider but I maybe wouldn't go to Fenerbahce and say I want 15 million I'd say you know we want to sell rather than a loan deal I just think it's crazy that we're loaning out someone I mean, who's got three, year left, three yeah. years left on his deal after we've just paid two years ago 25 million yeah. pound for him I, and I understand that but again I think that just boils down to the fact that for those two years you know we had affected the fellow walking around the briefcase full of cash just throwing it around and anything that moved you mm. know and, and I think as well these loan deals a lot of them now kind of have you know clauses in the end where they pay like you know let's say 10 million at the end of the you know signing, signing fee at the end at the end of the loan period hopefully there'll be something in like that where we can recoup some of the cash back but back to the back to my point I don't think Yannick Blassie being the prime example we're going to get anywhere near the money back that we think we're going to get yeah, Lee, your just your take on on it is is a loan deal the right deal at this time? It, I mean, it it might be. I just from my point of view, just just see it as a as a pointless pointless deal really for Everton Football Club. It might be great for Fenerbahce because he can test the waters and see how he does, and then he can he can come back to Goodison Park. What do you think? I think in Ever- in Everton's cur- <coughs> Everton's current situation, Marco Silva's already come out and said he wants to re- reduce the size of the squad. So. We're not in a, in a position really to, to say, well, will we sell him? And, and if, if, if you don't want to buy him, you don't want to buy him. I think it's it's simply a case of trying to get as many people off off, off the, the wage bill or even pay a quarter of the wages before the start of the season. So I, th- so I think that, that that's why alone, ra- rather than trying, trying to sell them, and it, it goes on for weeks and weeks and weeks, and in the end, for back to pull out, like has happened in other Everton transfers, and then we're stuck with a player. If, if they can take him on loan tomorrow, I think Evan, that's the Evan's best option at the moment. Mm. Well, that slides us nicely into the, some transfer news then. Um, transfer deadline day is fast approaching. I think it's 23 days left until the window shuts at 5pm on August the 9th. Um, just a point I wanted to touch on, um, just away from the usual rumours and transfer, transfer news of players that were you know, linked with who probably won't even come to Everton Football Club. But um, this is... Usually the the window shuts on the thirty first of August, doesn't it? And it's been brought forward to the 9th of August. This this happened because there was a vote. Basically, um, fourteen clubs voted in favour um, of bringing it forward. I think five were against, and one one club didn't vote. As far as I know, that was Burnley. Um, was it the right decision to bring it forward, Tom? It's a strange one. I think if you're going to do it, everyone's going to do it. I think it was just the Premier League that did it, and obviously you got Europe like still having their window open so I think it's got to be a UEFA decision rather than an FA decision anyway mm. So and it is a strange one with it being the same year as the World Cup so it makes business more difficult But because um, obviously you've got to cram it all in over the summer so it's a strange year to do it anyway but if everyone if everyone's going to do it then maybe it's a good thing because I do think it's good to, to have everything ready and not have everything up in the air while, while the games are going on but I, I just think 
everyone's got to jump on board, otherwise we just look stupid just doing it on our own. Because mm. it, it makes players possibly getting sold as well after, but we can't buy anyone. So you know, I don't think it's don't think it's good just to just for the FA to do it and not any any other clubs in Europe to do it. Rob, is it is it the right decision at the wrong wrong time? I think so. Yeah. Um, you know, the World Cup finished on Sunday, and we've got three weeks to sign buy and sell players. It's just it's just crazy. It's just gonna be an yeah. absolute flurry yeah. of frenzied activity like and I think and I think kinda like bending it to Everton onto Everton. Our problem is a month ago we laid all our cards out on the table. We said to we basically said to the world we need to sell before we buy. And our problem's gonna be is I'm sure there's probably interest in the likes of you know Morales, Besic, Sandro, but what's gonna happen is is clubs are just kind of thinking these guys need to sell before they buy. We're going to leave this till the last week, so it's going to be really, really tight for us to to do to do our business. I think, and I think if it was any other year, you'd probably be fine. But the fact that the World Cup finished, you know, a few days ago, it, it's it, yeah, right thing, wrong time. But I do agree with what Tom said. It needs to be a universal thing rather than just the FA. Because what, what are the FA? I mean, don't be wrong. I suppose it's good to lead by example. Mm. But at the same time, th- if the likes of the Italians and the Spanish can still sign, you know what's to stop them coming in and poaching our players? And that's it's one of the worst things that 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 can ever happen to you. I think as a football fan, it well, not one of the worst, but it's not nice to happen. You know, we suffered it with Arteta. Same with Rooney. Same with Lescott. The season starts. You start the season with these players thinking, oh yeah, these are going to be our players now for till at least Christmas time. And then on the thirty first at eleven o'clock at night, you know, when everyone's gone to bed, you sell them, hmm. and you wake up the next morning absolutely gutted. Well, effectively, we've got three weeks yeah. where we can't, or the pre- no one in the Premier League or England can buy a player, but everyone in Europe can still buy Premier League players. Yeah. And then if you sell, say for instance, we sell Tosin back to someone in Turkey, just to you know, in hindsight, or sorry, just just to see just to see what happens, and then we've got no striker basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is it, did did the clubs Lee just think that, or just forget that the World Cup was on in 2018? <laughs> you'd like to think, think that they didn't, um, but I think even though we all we all agree that, that it should be a European worldwide, their league starts uh, after ours. Mm. Some of the leagues don't start till September, so they would never vote on on and agree to something. The window closing middle of August, and then. Before the before the season begins in September, but I think I think in a, a lot a lot of transfer a lot of transfer windows, teams are now buying late anyway because then they don't have to pay the wages. So a, a lot of clubs don't don't buy players in June because then they're paying a whole month of, of wages, and but not and not getting them played. Hmm. Well, expect a frenzy of activity certainly over the next two to three weeks. Um, I think we'll leave it there, guys. There's basically 23 days left of the transfer window. Um, there's just going to—I think it's just going to be absolutely crazy. To be honest, there's just going to be players going left, right, and centre, and it's—I don't know whether that's going to be a good thing. But let's just hope there's plenty of players going through the Finch Farm door and the Goodison Park door, uh, getting some signatures that are on the uh, on the table. We will be back either on deadline day or the day after for the next view from the, the Gladys Street podcast. It's still to be confirmed. Um, but we'll let you know in advance. Thanks very much for listening to the show, and until then, goodbye. You've been listening to The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.